Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings, where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Today's episode is the recording of the first gathering for one of our new branches, the Storytellers Live Birmingham 280 community. And this was held a couple of weeks ago. This new branch is being led by Amy Grody and her team. And you might remember Amy from episode 20 when she shared the story of her daughter and Reese's tragic passing. And if you have not listened to that episode yet, I would recommend stopping this one for a few moments and going to episode 20 because uh, it does inform the stories that you'll hear today as Amy and her mom, Lisa, share. The common thread of their stories is this mingling of joy and grief. And over the last 15 years or so, it seems that every joyous occasion has also been paired with some sort of tragedy or loss. And I imagine I would struggle with bitterness over that, but that's not what you sense in Lisa and Amy's hearts. Instead, they share how God prepared them and sustained them through each season as hard as they were, and even more so how He showed up and showed out in Lisa's words to give them reassurance of His presence and His love. Here's Amy and her mom, Lisa. All right. So um, I don't know if you guys listened to the podcast that um, I did at Robin's house back in September, but I literally left there just filled with so much joy. And I kind of knew, okay, I really want to, there's something here. So anyway, I met with Robin and Dawn and we started talking about making this Let's call it a branch, I guess. Yes, branch. Um, Anyway, so we met, and Ashley jumped on board first, and we met at Panera Bread, and we're talking about when are we going to get started. Like, we knew we wanted to do it. Like, how are we going to get started? When are we going to get started? And Robin said, well, our first spring date is going to be the last day in, or the last Friday in January. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds great. We'll do it the week before so that you can come to ours and get us all set up and all that good stuff so we know what we're doing. Well, she said, none of us had looked at the calendar and knew what the date was. So we looked down. I looked down at my calendar and it said January 25th was their start date. And then I looked at the Friday before that. And sure enough, it was January 18th. So I got all teary eyed because literally the number 18 just was 3D to me. It just popped out because that's Anne-Reese's ninth birthday and that's today. So I can't think of a better way to celebrate her on her ninth birthday than all of you here. This is her birthday party, by the way. (laughs) We have balloons. Who brought cake? Anyone? Um, So anyway, I knew right then. I was like, we're we're definitely starting that day. This is is not a coincidence. This is God. He is speaking very loud and very clear. And then I also knew that, okay, honey's crying. I'm going to start crying now. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, and also, but but Robin had said, like, you got to get a team. You got, you know, start building that. So the girls jumped on board, and I was so excited about that. But back to that day. So I get in my car, and, of course, I have my mom on speed dial. Who doesn't have their mom on speed dial? Like, she's number two. My husband's number one, but let's be honest. I call her way more than him. <laughs> I'm going to bump you up, Mom. <laughs> so I call my mom driving, and I tell her the story about the 18th and how I'm st- we're going to start this new storytellers, and I was just so excited like when I get excited I talk really fast so she's like okay well that's that's great like trying to calm me down a little bit and I go and you know what I think you're supposed to speak with me and before I got the words out of my mouth she's going I knew you were gonna say that (laughs) it's like it was a little yeah buzz in your ear um but she obviously prayed about it and um a little bit later on decided that it was something that she wanted to do so thank you mom for doing this with me on Amory's birthday, and um, I guess now we can really get started with our story. Um, all right, so we decided to do kind of a question-answer conversation here. So um, the first thing I want to touch on is, Mom, tell us about your childhood. Okay, well, uh, before I get started, first of all, I'd like to say um, thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone here today, and thank you all so much for your prayers for us today. Um, we've truly felt them, um, and most importantly, we have been praying for you all and everyone that hears our story today in hopes that it will touch you in some way, maybe um, hope or um, give you some sort of joy uh, in some way. Although a lot of things we're going to share are you know, sad, sad things, but we're going to try to bring some good things to the forefront as well. But I want to tell you a little bit about my childhood. Of course, I was born December 5th, 1960, a long time ago, uh, to Kenneth and Imogene Knowles in a small town of Bay Manette, Alabama. I was the youngest of four. I had two brothers, Ralph and Ronnie, and a sister, Dot. Um, a couple things I want to point out about my childhood. I could tell you a lot of things, but for the sake of time, I'm going to cut it down to a couple of things I think are important uh, for you to know. One of the things that I want to share is the fact that um, growing up, our family, um, you know, our financial situation was pretty meager. Um, to be honest, it was a hot mess. <laughs> Six of us lived in a two-bedroom, one-bath home. So just imagine that for a minute. Um, but we, um, of course, you know, had um, a lot of love. And that's the second thing I'm going to touch on. Uh, a lot of unconditional love. And I think that is the most important when it comes to your childhood, no matter what your circumstances are. Um, two people that I want to highlight there, of course, number one being my mother. Um, <laughs> my mother loved me so much. And I felt her love so much that I questioned it. And I actually questioned it with her. Because I would ask her questions when I was a little girl. I remember saying, so mother, I called her mother. So mother, you love me so much. What if I did so-and-so? And and I mean, I went to some pretty dark places. I even asked her one time, if I committed murder, would you still love me? (laughs) 
answer was always the same. And it was, yes, Lisa, I will love you. But I won't be proud of what you did, nor would I love what you did. But I will still love you. I mean, I just thought that was awesome. My mother just loved me that much. And I truly felt her love. Um, And it was pretty amazing because I felt her love so much that when she would make me go pick my switch... Different generation. <laughs> I would actually go and do it, although it would take my time, and I would be kind of stealth coming back in. Maybe she had forgotten. I would hope. <laughs> Sometimes she did, but most times she didn't. But what was amazing to me there as well is that, you know, she would always tell me, this is going to hurt me a whole lot more than it's going to hurt you. And I'm doing this because I love you. And I'm like, man, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my brain around that, mother. <laughs> Uh, so, but yes, wonderful lady, <clears throat> loved her children very deeply. I mean, just like a mother's supposed to love her children. Um, and then, of course, I want to highlight my sister. Um, I called my sister Dotsie. Dotsie, and you'll all hear of her as Mimi as we move along in our story, but... My sister was nine years older than me, so uh, shortly after I was born, of course, I was the baby of the family, and shortly after I was born, my mother um, had an illness uh, where she, it required, you know, major surgery, and so my sister, being nine years older than me, and I was the little one, you know, she pretty much had to step in and not only be my sister, but my mother, So, you know, she, of course, loved me, I think, more than I've ever been loved by anybody. And the reason I say that is because she never had children of her own. She never married. So she never got to give that love, you know, to a husband or her own children. And I was I seemed to be the recipient of her her great love. Um, And of course, her love. She taught me a lot of things in life, of course. And some of the things she taught me, she taught me in a pretty tough way. Like, you know, she taught me how to swim. And the way she taught me how to swim was she held my head underwater <laughs> till I was about to drown. And then she would let me up and say, swim, Lisa. Again, well, a different generation. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. There's many more stories that I could tell you about. But for the sake of time, of course, I'll move on. But, of course, I learned to swim very quickly. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so... Um, I want to fast forward to uh, my marriage to Dane. I'm married to Dane Bruni's wonderful man. And we have uh, three awesome children. Of course, Amy's the oldest. Then we have Ryan, middle son. And then we have Trent, the youngest. Um, Amy, of course, is married to David, Dave, Davey. We call him a lot of different things. But um, just the smartest, most handsome fella. Um, Amy calls him hot. <laughs> I don't think that would be, it wouldn't be appropriate for no, me. No, no, no. But anyways. Handsome, Mom. Handsome. handsome very <laughs> handsome fellow. We love Davies. Wonderful, wonderful part of our family. Um, and then uh, they, of course, have three children, our Angel and Reese and, of course, Janie and Alice. And uh, then there's Ryan. Ryan um, is married to a sweet, beautiful girl. Her name's Kayla. 
and they have two children. Uh, they have uh, Ella and Henry. We have a little boy now. He's so cute. <laughs> Love him. Um, and then uh, we have uh, Trent, who is 22 and finishing up college, about to enter a new phase of his life. And uh, actually, he's moving to Birmingham this summer. So, mm-hmm. and he's single. Yes. You know of any good <laughs> girls? He's really cute. We're interviewing. Yeah. <laughs> After this. <laughs> uh, I do want to highlight, uh, because... Amy and I are here today, and we're doing this together. I do want to talk a little bit about Amy and um, the day she was born, uh, which was, of course, December 24th, 1983, my due date. And I want to clarify one thing. Um, last, The last podcast that I did, I said I was 8 pounds, 9 ounces. I want to give Mom full credit because I was actually 9 pounds, 8 ounces. <laughs> so I need to clarify that for everyone. Thank right. you, Mother. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, nine pounds, eight ounces, uh, pretty big baby. So, um, you know, the uh, Christmas Eve, of course, being my due date, never really thought in a million years I would have had her on my due date. Mm -hmm. Although the one thing I knew is if I made it through Christmas Day, we were going to have a big problem because she was going to be a lot bigger. And I knew she was already big. Because you were going to eat a lot. Yes. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I remember waking up on Christmas morning kind of sad that I was in the hospital and and everybody else is with their families. But no sooner did I have that thought than the doors swung open, and here they come with Amy in a stocking that she barely fit in. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it was like the best Christmas present ever. And, of course, her birthday, even now that it's shadowed uh, by a tragedy and, and a loss, it's still a special day for me because, you know, I celebrate her. Um, and... And, of course, I always tell her the story of her birth and how big she was and how she almost killed me and all that good stuff. (laughs) But um, I just wanted to share for you all that are here a little visual of uh, Amy. This is her hospital picture. And as you can see, she is all cheeks. Large. But I thought she was the most beautiful. Let me see. Does this look the same? (laughs) Of course, to me, she was the most beautiful thing um, on the face of the earth. But, my goodness. What a little chunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do like to, um, of course, remind her um, of that day and what it meant to me. Yeah. Well, um, that's lovely, Mom, and thank you for giving birth to me. And uh, she was a wonderful mother. I know I touched on that in the last podcast. Um, And some of the things that I learned from her the most were how to have strength. And when something bad happens or there's a challenge in your your face, that you have to just hold your head high and kind of bulldoze through it, feel feel those feelings and just... um, lean on other people. Um, I always leaned on her, um, but I'm just thankful for the wonderful childhood that she gave me. So I definitely learned to persevere through you, um, hold my head high, like I said. So tell us about the first time that your faith was tested and the first time you had to really persevere through something tragic. Okay. Um, Well, I feel like, you know, a lot of my life growing up was about perseverance and um, overcoming some some big challenges along the way. And um, a lot of that due to, you know, the financial situation that was on my family. But, uh, you know, I think that um, the first thing, of course, that really shook my faith and uh, shook me was, you know, when my mother 
um, became ill. Um, and then, of course, prior to that, let me back up and say that Amy and Davey got engaged on July the 2nd in 2007. 2006. I'm oh, sorry, 2000. Me. See, that's why we're doing this. Together. <laughs> we keep each other, you know, checks and balances. On track. <laughs> well... Of course, when, when Amy got engaged, it was such a happy um, event, and we were super, super excited. And, and Amy lived in Auburn at the time. Of course, you know, I lived down in Daphne, and, and of course, that's where the wedding's going to take place. And, and she is wearing me out. It, for those of you that know Amy, she is a planner. And when she gets something going, I mean, she's going. I probably planned my own due date, by the way. You're on what? My due date. Like, okay, yeah. That was all planned. <laughs> Well, so Amy immediately started wearing me out. You know, Mom, we got to do this, and Mom, we got to get this, and we got to set this up, and we got to do this. And I'm like, can we just slow down a minute? I mean, when did you say you're getting married? You know, yeah, it was like, eleven month engagement, yeah. so we had a little time, but I was but, on it. Right. Well, little did I know that, um, of course, you know, um, as it says in the Bible, you know, I think it's in Deuteronomy, God. God goes before us, you know, but he's also with us and he knows what's, what lies ahead. So I I believe that in our preparation or in his preparation of, for us, he is, he's just totally got us. He's, he's walking with us, not only with us, but ahead of us. So, um, in that come January, I get the diagnosis that my mother has metastatic brain cancer, and her um, prognosis was not good. It looked pretty bleak, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, we, we have a wedding coming up. How, how can this happen? So uh, my mother's care was very intense. Um, it involved my siblings and myself um, all working together trying to maintain her at home, take care of her. Um, my father um, had dementia on early stages of that. And so um, he, of course, was, we were trying, we were basically taking care of him as well. <clears throat> so um, as we're moving along, uh, caring for my mother, and, and I had a lot on me. Um, I was, of course, in, in a full-time career at that time. I was up for a promotion. Um, and, of course, I was trying to maintain all that. I was trying to help out with caring for my mother. And then then this wedding <laughs> that's coming. And I can remember a lot of times uh, driving home late at night, you know, from leaving work, going to t- help take care of my mom, <clears throat> driving home late at night and going over the wedding checklist. And everything was check, check, check. And a lot of that, of course, is because of Amy and her extreme planning. But I also feel like it was the Lord. Definitely. Taking care of everything that needed to be taken care of on the front end so that I could be there and do the things I needed to do during that time that my mother was ill. So as we moved along with her treatment and her illness, um, it, it started looking you know, pretty, pretty bad in that I knew that we were coming up on a wedding and we were coming up on a death. And I mean, it was running neck and neck. So in that, I had to start preparing Amy, um, you know, that, hey, look, we're gonna be close here. And I can tell you that, I don't know exactly when, but I can tell you it's gonna be close. And I said, honey, it could be the day off. We just don't know. 
And I said, but what we got to do is we got to we got to go ahead and, and wrap our brain around it and accept it. And that's the only choice we had, of course. Well, as it turned out, of course, my mother passed away three days before my daughter's wedding. And thank goodness I had siblings that were, um, you know, we, we, we did a good job communicating during that time and, and agreeing on things that were important. And the one thing that we agreed upon is if my mother had died on that day, that her funeral would have to be after the wedding. And, of course, it was. And, and Amy, um, you know, had a, a beautiful wedding, and it, it was joyous. And, you know, we celebrated my mother in it. But that, of course, was something that shook me. And I thought that was the toughest thing anybody could go through. Really? Come on. You know, timing. But, you know, there again, God knew the timing, and he knew what he was preparing us for. Yeah. So... And um, I just saw, seeing my mom walk that walk and be an example of, I remember she came in my room the day that my grandmother died. It was a Wednesday. And um, it's like I could see it all over her face. I knew what she was going to say, but I didn't want her to say it. But she said it, of course. And she said that, you know, your grandmother's died. And um, so we went the next day and... I kind of said my goodbyes because my mom said I was absolutely having the wedding and I was absolutely going on the honeymoon with my husband. We were going to start our lives together and this was important. Um, and she just encouraged me to do that. And I'm, I'm very thankful that she was that solid rock for our whole family, not just, um, our side of the family, but even Davy's side of the family, just being, you know, pull up your bootstraps and go. Um, so I thank you for that mom. Very selfless, and um, I learned a lot from it. Okay, so fast forward. Davey and I are married. Um, we're living in Birmingham, and we had, you know, like I talked about in the podcast, grand plans of waiting to have a baby, and we all know what happens. God doesn't – he laughs about that, um, <laughs> let's be honest. So um, 2009, I called mom uh, the day I found out I was having a baby. And I'm like, hey, well, I found out that, that um, she was due early January. And I'm like, hey, mom, um, what are you going to be doing for New Year's Eve? It's March. <laughs> Back to the planner. <laughs> She's annoyed. Very annoyed. She's still annoyed right now. Talking about Paris man. She even knows what's coming. Um, but anyway, so after, you know, I kind of like, well, mom, <clears throat> I just got to tell you something, you know, don't stop being annoyed. Um, and I said, you know, will you come to Birmingham for the birth of your grandchild? And of course she's just giddy and happy and so excited. And, but I love that story because, um, you know, it's just the planner in me anyway. So I'm pregnant with Ann Reese. Um, we found out that it's a girl and pretty much that week we had another tragic thing happen in our family. Um, so mom, tell us about, tell us about that. Uh, so, uh, my brother Ronnie, uh, 55 years old, I uh, was um, driving on his motorcycle, and uh, no fault of his own, but a car pulled in front of him, and he went down uh, to try to avoid that car and suffered a traumatic head injury. And, of course, he, he died a few days later. He didn't make it. So, there again, tragedy is struck again. Uh, and, of course, 
my concern of over my family and and Amy, of course, being pregnant. And so um, that, of course, was um, another another a tragedy that um, we had to walk through. And I will say that the positive there is that I thought about my mother in that I was so happy for her and that she didn't have to witness the loss of a child. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that a lot during that time because, like I said, my mother loved us so much that I just... I just couldn't imagine her having to to deal with that. So, well, and it sounds you know, in just a few years, it seems like the reoccurring theme that we have our family has been shaken by death, and unfortunately, it didn't stop there. Um, and y'all, I'm sure all of you know this. On December twenty fourth. Um, 2012, which was also my birthday. Uh, we were at my birthday party. Um, the whole family was there. Um, uh, Anne Reese was playing, pushing her little stroller, and a swing set fell on her, and she passed away that day. And I talked about that on the podcast, so if you haven't listened to that, you can go back and find it, um, I think, in the archives and listen to more of my details of that. But today, I want to just hand it over to my mom and let her talk a little bit about that day and her memories of it. And um, so go ahead, Mom. Um, Okay, so started out that day, as I always did on Christmas Eve, by (laughs) calling Amy, wishing her a happy birthday, and reminding her her birth story (laughs) which I still do to this day I'll I'll never stop but it was a rainy morning and of course we had a a plan for the afternoon to gather at Amy's dad's for uh, fun and hayride and a celebration of her birthday not only her birthday but Davey as well because his birthday is on the 22nd of December so we're all there as a family and had, you know, the weather cleared. And I'll never forget Anne Reese and her little rain boots. Um, they were really kind of too big for her. They but were. She insisted on wearing and, them. Yes, yes. You know, but um, I, a few things I'm, I'm going to share with you about that day for me is, um, well, what, number one, I was kind of glad that Dot, Dotsie Mimi, my sister, was running a little late because... Anne Reese loved my sister, I think, more than she loved her mother. I know she loved her more than she loved me, but she was obsessed. She was. Dot. I was was. like, I mean, we would have family gatherings, and I would tell Amy, tell Dot to come an hour later. Yeah, or you would say, or you would say, do we have to call? Do we have to invite her? Yeah, do we have to call her? This is my sister. I'm like, Mom, yes, you have to call. We have to invite her. It's it's Christmas. We have to. Now, actually, uh, deep down, I was very happy uh, that they had the relationship they did mm-hmm. because it really warmed my heart to see my sister have the love, true love, I felt like, uh, from a child that was not her child but loved her like a mother. Mm-hmm. She really did. She loved my sister. Um, of course, you know, that day, a lot of things you know, go through my mind, but a couple of things that really stand out was that, you know, in looking back, uh, God protected me a lot that day. He shielded me. And I think, you know, the, the reason for that is because he knew what was ahead and he knew what I was going to have to do 
and the role that I was going to play. Um, but the one thing he did or he protected me from was I never saw this wing set. I never saw it, even though it was right there. As a matter of fact, there was a trampoline right beside it. And I remember the trampoline very vividly. I even said to Amy, right as I left, be sure and watch Anne Reese on that trampoline with those bigger children. Because she had some older nieces and nephews there. And that was my concern. Watch her on that trampoline. Mm-hmm. I never saw that swing set. And of course, the other thing is I wasn't there when the tragedy happened. So I didn't actually see it happen or what didn't see her um, in the in the condition she was in. Because we had we had my husband and I had left because what we would always do is we would have that celebration and then we would leave and go home and then they would have Christmas with her dad and and then they would wrap up and their plan was to come on to to my house. Well, of course, before Dane and I could get home, we get the call that we have to come back. And it was a pretty tragic call. It was... um, Dramatic, for sure. It was, yes. um, So on the way, on the drive back, you know, Dane and I are talking about it. You know, we're like, well, how bad can this be? What, broken arm, broken leg? You know, okay, this, this is just not as bad as it sounded. Well, of course, when we pulled up and we saw all the ambulances there, we knew it was was pretty serious. And, of course, um, Amy and Davey sitting on the front steps of her dad's home, and we walk up, and they're just in a state of shock. And, and of course, we are, too. We're like, you know, what's going on here? I mean, what, you know. So, and, of course, you know, they tell us the swing's head has fallen on Anne Reese, and... Um, before we could have much conversation at all, uh, an EMT comes up to us to tell us that they're about to transfer, transport her to the hospital. And and I looked at him, and he had blood all around his mouth. He had been given her CPR. And when I saw that blood on his mouth, I knew. I knew. This is bad. So... Of course, you know, we go from there to uh, the first hospital where, you know, we don't get very good news. And then, of course, we end up at the second hospital. They life-flighted her. And, and of course, we drove Amy and Davy over. We get to the hospital there, and it's, it's just a frenzy. And people are coming, and, and um, you know, everybody's praying. And, and, you know, and then, of course, um, we get called back. Because the doctors knew that it was, it was not a good situation. So they wanted us to come back and see her, you know. And, of course, when I went back and saw her, I knew this is going to be tough. Because there was a lot going on. I mean, as you could imagine, the tubes and blood and everything, you know. And I just knew then that we had tough right now. And, of course, we end up, you know, we go to our final hospital, Children's and Women, and the uh, critical care team, of course, they are immediately trying to save her. And and we're, of course, waiting and holding out the hope and, and everything. But in my heart, I knew, I knew. I just knew. 
God, I think, was preparing me. He was, and of course, you know, we're all in a state of shock, too. Well, when they came in to give us the news, I, I, I was uh, kneeling down beside Amy. And that's probably one of the toughest times of my life is hearing uh, the doctors tell my daughter the news of losing her child. Something that, to this day, I still can't imagine. So, um, I guess, of course, we're in a state of shock, and, and I remember the cries coming from her and Davy and listening to them just so broken. And God saying to me, you know, you got you got you got to be strong here. And I remember embracing Amy, and I don't know why, but this came to me, and I, because I didn't know what to say. You there, you know, as a as a parent, what do you do when your children are hurt? They're sick. They're sad. What do you do? You try to make it better. Yes, <laughs> that's what we do as mothers. We comfort, console, and we say the words that we felt like are going to make it better. But I had no words other than I'm so sorry because there was just nothing I could say. But there is one thing I told her in that darkest hour that I, I remember very well. And I think it was the Lord speaking through me. I told her, Amy, I said, Amy, maybe this is one thing that we can never walk around. I said, we got to walk straight through it. I said, and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt forever. But if we walk around it, that'll be a big mistake. So we got to walk through this and we got to feel it. And so that's, that's all I can say. So we get home that night, of course, and um, we're, we're pretty much all exhausted and we're like zombies, <laughs> too. We're still in shock. Um, and then, you know, I can remember us trying to get a little bit of rest and. I think I laid down and I don't know, maybe I dozed off a little bit, but shortly after that, Amy did what she did for many nights afterwards, and that is she came tearing into my room three, four o'clock in the morning, wailing, crying over the loss of her baby. And there I was again as a mother just feeling helpless almost. All I knew to do was to hold her, love her. I really didn't have words other than I'm so sorry. But I um, I managed to gather a lot of strength during that time. I know Amy talked about in the first podcast how I got up and cooked Christmas dinner that morning. After you bathed me. Yeah, I bathed her, you know, and, and I did a lot of things that I don't really know how I did it, but I, I, no, I do know how I did it. God was right there with me and um, carried me through it and uh, got up and cooked a 
you know, I guess I just didn't want that food to go to waste. <laughs> we were hungry, and about the time I finished cooking, of course, the floodgates opened, and Lord knows we had some Everybody food. brought their Christmas dinners to yes. us. Yes, <laughs> uh, but Christmas Day was um, a day I'll never forget because I honestly thought I would never smile again. I even said that. I just didn't feel like I would ever have joy again. And um, it was a tough feeling, but I, I can say um, that, you know, God put the right people in our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, my support team, one of them being Beth Davis, don't know what I would do without her. Um, because that first year of Annie's loss was um, one that... I felt like I had to put my grief aside because I had to be strong for my family and I had to be strong for Amy. I had to make sure that this baby that she was carrying, you know, was going to be okay and that she was going to be able to deliver her. And um, so I really put my grief aside a lot except for at night. And this girl right here, she sat with me on my back porch every night for a whole year. Mm -hmm. And there were tears and laughter and and she just let me get it out and that's a lot of what that along with my wonderful husband and and a lot more friends and family but um thank you for that Beth I don't know how much that means to me um but and I know we got to move along because time is ticking Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but um I will say this something I want to point out about Jane is, and I don't think Amy's ever shared this. I don't, you didn't share it in the first podcast. We've not really talked about a lot about this, but when, Je- when Amy was 20 weeks pregnant with Jane, she had an ultrasound <clears throat> and she called me up and she was upset. She said, Mom, they found a couple of spots on Jane's heart. I'm like, what? And of course, I have a friend who is an ultrasound tech for, you know, that's what she does. She ultrasounds babies. And of course, you know, we're immediately going over to her office and she's checking it out and, you know, confirming to us that, yes, there's a couple of spots on her heart. And um, there became concern over Jane. And of course, Amy went to a high risk doctor and had more. Um, ultrasound done and because they were these type uh, spots can be um, soft markers for Down syndrome so there was a concern over Jane you know that uh, we didn't know that she was perfect (laughs) until the day she was born so there again there was some added worry and concern but you know we it was almost like we we're so distracted. We didn't have a lot of time to, but it was in the back of our mind, mm-hmm. you know. So we, of course, had put a a lot of um, a lot on the Lord right there, because I was like, God, you know, we can't we we can't deal with anything else. We've got to have some joy. And of course, God showed up and showed out in a big way because when <laughs> Jane was born, she was the most beautiful baby, and it was my first time. To she experience. didn't have those big fat cheeks like <laughs> I did. <laughs> My first time to experience childbirth firsthand. Um, well, you had given birth, but like, yeah. well, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, forgot to be, about to be in the room. To be in the room with your daughter giving birth—that's a big difference. That's a big, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to go in the bathroom and like throw up. It's like <sighs> it's very stressful. So, 
Oh, yeah. Um, following Jane's birth, uh, the one thing I, I wanted to share is something I think that's pretty significant, uh, and that is that um, she had a lot of visitors to the hospital. Um, but the next morning, as I was going to the hospital, I get a phone call from my sister. I'm going to the hospital the next morning, man. I got a pep in my step. We got a beautiful baby girl. Days later. We've got, you know, some joy. Well, on the drive to the hospital, I get a phone call. And lo and behold, it's my sister, Lisa. The ambulance is on the way to the hospital with daddy. He has fallen. And he's not in good shape. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, this is not happening. But it did. It happened. Um, on that day, I spent that day going from ICU to the uh, birth center. My dad was on a ventilator, and he had fallen. We don't know um, if he had a stroke or what. I think I think grief had overcome him, to be honest with you, and he was just really tired. He was tired of it all. He lost my mother, my brother, and Reese, who he loved. It was just sad. It was a lot for an 85-year-old man, but... Four weeks later, my, my father passed away. And um, yet again, you know, another another death um, to have to walk through. But um, I will say that um, the day after the day that um, I'm talking about, Amy had a lot of visitors. One I want to speak of briefly is um, Jennifer Stafford. She's uh, the pastor's wife at our church. She came to visit Amy. I walked outside of Amy's room at that time, and she went and visited with Amy, and there were some other people there, and Jennifer walks out, and um, for those of you that don't know Jennifer Stafford, uh, Beth and I call her the real deal. <laughs> I mean, when that woman speaks, you know the Holy Spirit is just there, and he pouring just out of her. oozing out of her, and uh, so she walks out of Amy's room that day, and she gave me a big hug, and she whispered in my ear, she said... She's been anointed. Mm-hmm. And those words ring in my ear a lot today because Amy was anointed and still is. And I'm so proud of her because she has allowed the Lord to use her as a vessel. And she has touched so many people through our tragedy and in a good way. I mean, a Facebook page after the loss of a child doesn't typically gain traction. (laughs) Well, that just wasn't the case here. And it's because Amy was real and raw in allowing the Lord to really use her as a vessel. And there's so many people that um, have come closer to the Lord and reunited with their relationship with God because of Anne Reese's tragedy and because of our, um, our story. And I'm very thankful for that. Well, thank you, Mom. You're so sweet. Um, and too kind. <laughs> uh, we don't have a lot of time left, so, but we really want to touch on um, Mimi because she's kind of the next part of our story. That Mimi was Mom's sister, like she said, and Anne Reese is basically mother, grandmother, favorite person in the whole wide world. Like... <laughs> It kind of, I'm a little bitter about it, but I'm <laughs> thankful at the same time, maybe. Um, so I um, am pregnant with Alice, and um, 
Mom, I'll let you take over from there. Seven months pregnant, I guess. Right, yes. Amy, again, pregnant. And tragedy strikes. Um, We're not having any more babies, by the way. <laughs> right. Done. Done. So uh, my sister, of course, uh, was um, diagnosed. Amy was, uh, what, in seven, mo- mm-hmm. seven months pregnant with Jane. Alice. I mean, Alice, excuse me. It's hard for me to keep all your grandbabies. That's why we're doing this, check and balance. Um, but on January 11th of that year, of the year that um, Jane was, uh, Alice was born, my sister got a diagnosis of metastatic brain cancer, same as my mother. And that was actually January 11th is Janie's birthday, so. Yes. So there again, uh, you know, I spent a week in the hospital with her and the doctors and, you know, I was her uh, power of attorney and, you know, she was in Louisiana when it happened and so I'll never forget it was Super Bowl Sunday. I was at a friend's house getting ready to watch the Super Bowl and I get a call and it's the emergency room doctor that tells me you need to you need to get, get in your car and you need to drive over here. And I, so I was like, uh, you, you, you're going to tell me why? Right now, I'm not going to drive three hours wondering what what's going on. He goes, well, I've just done a CT of your sister's brain, and she has cancer. And, of course, you know, I'm like, really? No, no way. This, this can't be happening. So, sure enough, go over there um, and spent the next week um, dealing with doctors and and looking at her situation and her prognosis, which was much worse than my mother's. And her doctors over there told me she had one month. And of course, after I told them they were crazy, and there's just no way, I'm taking her to MD Anderson, we're going to UAB, this this is not happening. But after a long week in that hospital and after talking to those doctors over and over and looking at the situation, I realized the best thing I could do is take her home. And I did. I took her home. I took her home with hospice. I moved in. I didn't tell Amy for a week because I just... Well, it was Janie's birthday and she... Well, of course, could, you could, wanted me to celebrate her birthday and not be sad. And well, I just did, I was there again, worried about how you were going to take that news because I knew how much you loved Dot. Mm-hmm. But although I knew she could take it because she'd already taken the worst news of ever, you know. And I remember calling Davy and talking to Davy about it. And I'm like, Davy, I don't know how to tell her. And he goes, well, You want me to? And I said, Yeah, I really do. Because I just couldn't break her heart. Because it did. It broke their, it broke her heart. It broke all of our hearts. Because remember, my sister was like everything to me. Um, she was. And I miss her. I miss all of my family and all of my loved ones. I miss them dearly. But I will say that I miss me a lot. I miss my sister. Because um, she was my go-to. If I had a pain in my elbow, I was going to call and talk to her about it. Because I knew she would know what She was, it was. your speed dial number one. <laughs> yeah, she, she would have the answer, you know. But um, we all miss her. And But I know that, you know, there was a huge celebration in heaven that day. Oh. Cause Can you even imagine? They're having a huge party. Right now. Um, yeah. 
um, I always think about um, soldiers. Like when I see videos of soldiers coming home from war and embracing their children, embracing their families, I think about the reunion that we will have with our loved ones and yeah. in heaven and doesn't even compare to those that the earthly ones. It's just right. Um, I see my family a lot though. I see them in my dreams. I really do. Now I've never dreamed about, I, for some reason I can't dream about Anne Reese. I don't know why that is. Um, I'd love to, but my family, oh, I'll wake up in the mornings and tell my husband, yeah, me and Dot and I hung out all night. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's yeah. a beautiful sign there. Yeah. Are you and ready to go into I that I guess part? we need to wrap it up with well, uh, let's, um, a few important Yeah, signs. so, you know, the Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, walk by faith, not by sight. I feel like that verse is... So obviously I believe it and it is true, but there are times in my life and in mom's life when our, our faith is weary and broken and kind of drowning with grief and sadness and sorrow. And it's those times that I've just prayed, Lord, give me something. I need something tangible. I need to see something. I need to have a visual here. And in those times, he sends us signs. And the very first signs that we got um, from heaven, uh, I used to call Amory's love bug. I still do. Um, we're ladybugs. Jennifer Stafford from the church, I don't know how this all came about, but contacted us and just said, by the way, since the service, um, the church is infested with ladybugs. <laughs> and honestly, every ladybug I see, my my girls now, we will like, one was in the hallway the other day, and we like pick it up, and we take it outside, and the girls know that that's a visitor from heaven, and it's a joyous time, and we, we talk to them. I know this is getting weird, so, um, but mom has some more signs, and there's just so many, like I feel like we need to do a podcast or a, a storyteller's just on signs from heaven, because if you open your eyes, y'all, they are everywhere, and maybe it's our imagination. I hope not. <laughs> I, I don't believe that at all. No. I, I feel like whenever you go through, um, especially grief and the loss of loved ones, um, I think God is with us. And he shows up in a big way and he shows out mm -hmm. a lot of times. And I feel like maybe that's the um, fortunate Part of our story is that God has showed up many times and he's shown out. And I'm, I'm going to share one, um, and I could share many, but like I said, it would take a while. But I'm going to share the most important uh, thing I can share that I think you guys will enjoy. And uh, when my mother was ill and um, she was sleeping one night, <clears throat> this was getting, of course, close to the end of her life. And we, one of us would sleep in the room with her. We had brought another bed in, so we had a hospital bed, and, and then we had another bed, and so one of us would sleep in the room with her at night. Well, this particular night, my sister was sleeping in the room with her, and the next morning, my sister called me, and she goes, Mother woke up this morning and said, I had the most beautiful dream. And Dot, you know, said, well, Mother, what was your dream? And she said, there were the most beautiful butterflies all around my bed. <laughs> And, of course, Dot says, oh, Mother, 
those were your angels. <laughs> and my mother was a very religious woman, and of course, she totally agreed. And you know, um, and so moving on from there, butterflies, of course, you know, became special and significant. And um, after my mother passed, uh, I remember going into Sam's Club uh, one day to you know, buy a few things or whatever. And you know how they always have that jewelry case right there when you walk in. So you got to look at it. Right. (laughs) And so I walked in and, um, I saw this butterfly necklace. Okay. And, you know, it was a little pricey, you know, 150 bucks, not too bad, but you know, I was like, nah, I don't need to treat myself for that. You know, come on, Lisa, (laughs) you know, get focused. So I went on about my toilet paper. Yeah. about my day and uh, passed up on the necklace and, and never said anything to anybody about it, right? Well, fast forward to my birthday that year, which is December 5th, I opened my gift for my husband. <laughs> and lo and behold, this necklace. And I said to him immediately, I was like, because I was like, I was so blown away. I go, did you, did, did I tell you about that necklace? He goes, what? And he, and I'm, and I'm like, okay, never mind. And of course, you know, I cherish it. I wear it a lot um, because it, you know, gives me a lot of peace and comfort. Um, so moving forward um, to wrap up the butterfly story, which I have many, but this one's pretty profound. When Dot, and of course, you know, Dot and I both, you know, we treasured the butterflies. We always, you know, talked about the butterfly, you know, anyhow. So fast forward to the Wednesday before she passed away on Friday. Um, You know, she was diagnosed on January 11th, died on February 12th. But until February 9th, you know, although she wasn't quite in her right mind, she was... A joy to be around. She was having a party. Yes, she she went she, home to have her blowout party oh, for a did. solid month, and she, she wanted did. everybody with her and and serving her. And right. Mama Beth t- did a good job of making sure she had her coffee. A lot her, of cake. I think she gained and, like twenty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I would do about a month left. Right. I mean, she couldn't remember when she walked out of the bathroom if she'd brushed her teeth or washed her hands, but you know, she knew she was going to get that Twinkie because Mama Beth was going to have it. She would want people to go sit on the porch. I think with Mama her Beth in the became the, the love of her life, right? During <laughs> yeah. those days, but uh, that Wednesday night, whenever um, you know we brought the hospital bed in, which I, pro- I she had made me promise never to bring a hospital bed into that house when she, if she ever got ill, and of course I had no choice, had to. And once she got up in that bed, she was like, "Wow, this is nice." <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna I, seriously, <laughs> but. Spent some time with her that night talking to her, and and, um, it was hard for her to tell me bye and talk to me about dying. But that night, we talked about it, and um, I told her, I said, listen, sis, I said, you know, you and I talked a lot about our faith and God, and um, I said, you know that... You, I said, if there's just any way possible for you to get back to me in some way, mm-hmm. please do. She goes, okay, I will. <laughs> what you want? <laughs> I said, well, okay. Um, 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 okay, uh, how about a butterfly? Um, how about a yellow butterfly? I was specific. She goes, all right, you got it. Well, and so there begins the story of yellow butterflies. 
and I have many, but this is the one that's going to blow you away. So I was a cat lover, still am, highly allergic, can't have one. (laughs) She hated cats, but she lived out in the country and there were feral cats that would come up and she would get a BB gun and shoot them. And I wasn't there. You mean feed them lovingly? No. Leave scraps out for them? No, when no. I okay. was there, I would get a bowl and I would get oh, food and water okay. and, and I would beg her to continue feeding these cats when I would leave and she'd be like, yeah, right, sure. <laughs> well, anyway, so I was a cat lover. Well, and of course she knew it. So she dies, of course, and then a month after she died in March... Dane and I go down. Uh, there's a big arts and crafts festival in Fairhope. It's called Fairhope Arts and Crafts. Pretty big. I don't know if you've ever been there. If you haven't, you should go. Um, but we're walking around. We like to go down and just kind of browse. And I always wait for something to jump out at me. You know what I mean? That's the way I look at art. Art just really needs to reach out and grab me in the soul. You know, because you're probably going to spend a good bit of money on it. Let's face it. <laughs> Especially in Fairhope. So as we're walking around that day and walking in and out of booths, and, and I, I, I started having this feeling that something was about to grab me. So I walk into a booth. There's this lady, this artist. Um, she does, um, it's called sketch art, where you start with a black background and you start sketching. And look what I found. It's a cat. (laughs) A cat (laughs) looking, staring in the face of a yellow butterfly. Isn't that cool? Is that not the... I mean, seriously? So... Yeah, you wouldn't usually see art with, like, a cat and a butterfly together. (laughs) I know, right? It's kind of random. How does this happen? Like, I probably wouldn't buy that if... I'm Maybe still, you should edit I'm that out of the... Still looking for a place to hang it in the house. Yeah, right. It's in the closet. I mean, I mean beautiful. I just started booing. I just started booing. You know, I'm like, I, I, I was astonished mm-hmm. because of the way the Lord showed up and showed out that day. And, um, you know, I hope that the Lord has um, showed up today for some of you. Did That's you notice the sunshine come out whenever we started talking about signs? I was like, I had chills all over. So, all right. Well, that's it for my mom and I. And thank y'all so much. Their story continues to be one of the most powerful testimonies to me of God's faithfulness to redeem and to heal and allow you to experience joy again on this side of heaven when you have gone through such traumatic and devastating loss. And I believe wholeheartedly that the Lord brings us signs when we need them most, not when we're putting Him to the test, but when He knows that our souls are desperate for a sign of encouragement or hope or confirmation. And our team actually has a thing with feathers. We find them all the time, just directly on our path when on a walk, or we go out to the car and open our door and it's just right there at our feet. And so for our team, those feathers have just been uh, almost like a smile or a wink from God, assurance that uh, we're obeying Him and stepping forward in faith. And uh, it just is a way, I think, that God delights in loving us and showing us how much he loves us and he's paying attention to all of the details. I think it'd be really cool to hear from all of you if you have certain signs 
tangible um, reminders of his presence or his love. I think we would love to hear that. We could do a whole a whole episode just sharing all the things that God does on this earth to show us who he is and how much he loves us, how he shows up and he shows out. So feel free to go to our website and email those to us. We would love, love, love to hear all of those. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. And in the meantime, you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Storytellers Live. Or you can find more information on our website, which is StorytellersLive.org. We would love to connect with you and we hope that you'll join us again soon.